Hello, Anthony here. Um, before we start on episode 8 of Scuttercast, um, you may have noticed that sound quality has been improving uh, as these Scuttercasts have gone on. Uh, Darren's worked really hard. I think last week's episode 7 uh, worked really well, sounded really good. Um, I'm here to apologise for this one taking a slight step backwards. Uh, sound quality is down uh, mainly down to my microphone my computer don't know what's up with it just a lot of background noise uh when i speak so apologies before and here we go this is episode eight of scuttercast Original air date, 13th of September, 1988. Welcome to Scuttercast number eight. This week, I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Ian. Hello. Unfortunately, Andy can't make it this week, and Nick can't make it due to having no internet connection. However, he's been kind enough to record us a synopsis, and here it is. In this episode, a parcel pod arrives on Red Dwarf, all but three million years late. Amongst the new films and letters are a huge tax bill for Rimmer from the Outland Revenue, a letter from his mum informing that his dad is dead, and a new total immersion video game called Better Than Life. To cheer Rimmer up, Lister and Kat invite him to play Better Than Life with them, telling him that his dreams will come true. The game starts well, with Kat having a mermaid and Marilyn Monroe's his girlfriends, Lister enjoying golf and Rimmer being an admiral. But things seem soon go downhill in Rimmer's world. He ends up with his dream wife, but she has seven kids, he's tied into a mortgage and the tax money's on his tail. Eventually, he drags Cat and Lister into his demise, with all three ended up buried in the sand up to their necks, smothered in jam and about to be eaten by killer ants. In the end, Holly appears to save the day. They return to the bunk room where the taxman jumps out and breaks Rimmer's hand. Well, thank you very much, Nick. This week, we're reviewing Better Than Life, probably one of my favourite episodes of all time. I think it's absolutely brilliant, and it, it was so good, obviously, in the creator's eyes as well. They created the entire book around it. Oh, yeah, two books. Goes to me. Yeah, it's the, it's them, the, the next book, didn't it? It kind of carried yeah. on from the Better Than Life book, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it did. Um, yeah, because backwards is is yeah, I guess it carried on, didn't it? But, but when, what... I, when I first watched this episode, I thought, oh, that's definitely my favourite episode, but... I think reading the books, it's, it doesn't compare to the books, if you ask me. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's just so much depth in the book. There's just so much that goes on that we don't see. And this this barely skims the surface of it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's the concept of better than life itself, you know. Uh, in the books, it's, you know, obviously it's a big drug. It's um, something people become, phys- you know, physically addicted to. That's and right, yeah. cost lives and, you know, what, it's a lot more sinister, isn't it, than the... Um, in the actual books, it, it, you know, it's all to do with... I can't remember the characters' names now. The, there's the Bliss Freak, isn't there? And then he's got his girlfriend, who's a game head. That's right, yeah. To be honest with you, it's been a couple of, a couple of months since I listened to them anyway, so <laughs> I'll have to get onto them again. <laughs> no problem. Scene one starts with the nice external of Red Dwarf, and you see the male pod that, that's tracking them. It then cuts to the normal bunk scene, where you've got 
list are reading the label on um, some Laxo, which seems to be um, kind of like Gaviscom. Um, and it's like, um, do this for a small upset. And he ends up drinking the entire bottle and you find out that Rimmer's been cooking. Uh, well, on the uh, commentary, he, um, Craig Charles points out how blue the bottle is and says it's basically in keeping with it was deliberately chosen. They got this bright blue, deep blue bottle just basically to um, keep with the Series 2 theme of having more colour and yeah. uh, more life to it all, you know. Well, funny you should mention all the colour. Um, there's one thing I did notice in this. The shorts that Lister was wearing, they were very like cat shirt from the previous. They were black with just a lot of bright day glow colours on very 80s. <laughs> well, it was like that through Series 1 and 2. It was very like the Hawaiian shirt and it was all like the scruffy clothes and that. But yeah. like through later to, in a later series, like three onwards, it started to get the leather jackets and that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. And got more punkish. Uh... Like they were saying on the cast commentary as well, that he's got the black... Um, blazer jacket on there and he says stuff like that like oh, we liked that but when I've seen pictures of Craig Charles outside of Red Dwarf he actually dresses like that yeah yeah you know with, with the necklaces on and the, the funny shirt and that he's got a weird taste in his fashion but yeah yeah but well I guess if they work for him they work for him you know yeah it's an individual isn't he to say that <laughs> The scene then goes on and it's um, it's Rimmer doing the um, complaint about being dead again, as he has done through all the previous episodes and how much of a drag it is for him and how there is struggles to cook because he's getting the scutters to. And he's got a very funny line he's on about, um, if you tell a scutter to sit and watch that lamb for three hours, they do that. They sit, watch and watch it burn. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I guess it is a downside of being dead. Yeah, well, like, we've got like little cheap robots, haven't we, at the time? And, like, I'm guessing yeah. the AI is not up to scratch. It'd have been <laughs> three million years down the line, or well, if you tell a robot to do something, it does it. If it's got no AI, is it? And it's not going to take them out or warn them, is it? So... Yeah, exactly. It's not going to do it literally. If you tell him to do something, he's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got Holly that pops up on the screen with funny lines of, guess what? And they said, well, do you want to give us a clue, Holly? And it's like, nope, no clues, just guess what? It's like, <laughs> no idea, go on, go on. I told you you wouldn't get it. There's a post pod that finally caught us up because they've been travelling away from Earth at a gradual increase in speed. And then I think it was the Future Echoes episode. They slowed down, which is what caused the Future Echoes, and they spun round. And because they've spun round is why the postage pod is finally caught back up with them. See, I was looking at that scene as well, and um, if you notice, it's, it's just as Holly's talking to them. When it flicks back to Lister, I don't know what I think it is, but there's a dummy dangling next to him. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, a pink dummy. No, there's like a big dummy. It looks like a big kid's dummy. It's just... Oh, oh like a, an American... Yeah. An Americans would call it a pacifier, wouldn't they? Right, okay, yeah. Scene two starts with, uh, you see the two scutters going down the corridor and one's in a cowboy, one's an Indian. And it did mention in the previous scene that um, Rimmer said they've got issues because they've got pictures of John Wayne all over the lockers. Yeah, of course, we see the scutters taking their... Um... The John Wayne fan club letter, maybe like a newsletter or something like that. Yeah, because they've taken all the mail out the out the mail yeah. pod and they're pulling everything out. And as you said, they they take the John Wayne fan club letter addressed to the scutters, and he also pulls out Friday the Thirteenth Part sixteen forty nine, <laughs> which for me I thought was quite funny, but. If you think back then, um, it was practically every six months where there were a Jason or Friday the 13th movie coming out. I was going to say that's the first pick, the first glimpse we get of the triangle videos, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but did you notice the um, the zero-G football he, he pulled out on a VHS? Oh, never noticed that. No. Yeah, you know when he said, oh, here we go, two seasons of uh, zero-G football. Uh, they were on a VHS tape because I thought, ah. Never noticed that. Oh, oh yeah. Multi-formats yeah. then. Multi-formats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but well, still- Later on in the episode, you see discs as well, you know, CDs. So 
I don't know. That's gonna be a weird shaped player, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because the TVI is a circle, aren't they? So yeah, I know they'd probably be a different machine to put into, like, but just triangle videos are just yeah. Because yeah. if anybody hasn't seen these, these triangles are about a foot triangle, and the green and about an inch thick. So God knows what what the player looked like that took those. <laughs> They're still the same design as the old VHSs, but just just a triangle, really. Yeah, yeah. They're going <laughs> through the mail and they find uh, a total immersion video game. Yeah, that's when um, Lister basically turned around and he's saying, "Oh, you can't get these for love no money," and you know, really excited at seeing these. He, he actually explains to the uh, explains to Rimmer that um, these probes basically go into your frontal lobes, into your hypothalamus, and it's <laughs> yeah. like actually real life and being there. Uh, but, you know, as he says that line, as he says, these probes go into your frontal lobes and your hypothalamus. Yeah, I was um, like. I'm thinking well that's this is the guy who last series didn't know what a, what an iguana was you know when he's, he's compared to uh, you'd lose a game of intellect with a stuffed iguana or it, it's a it's a line similar to that yeah and um yeah it what's an iguana and now he's talking about these uh, you know your frontal lobes and your hypothalamus and uh yeah but is I- is more intelligent now yeah well no i did find it a little bit off but you don't know what it's like in the future i mean it might be just something that's been advertised that many times these are just keywords that got stuck in his head yeah yeah, yeah. that's the way that's the way i've seen it and i didn't even notice till, till looking through the um the notes you've got here and to be honest with you i just flew off me at that one <laughs> another thing out of the postage pod is a video letter for holly from gordon who's from the scots fitzgerald He's another AI which has got 8,000 and he's playing um, play chess via mail and it was like, you move one piece, move one piece and it was like quite a long-winded thing. Well, it seems that Holly's doing this with Gordon uh, on another ship. Yeah, I'm guessing they've never heard of email in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't well, that That's the bit when he pulls it out, the, the post, and he puts, it's a CD and he puts the CD in the machine and it's, it's Gordon. So, like, so we've got the triangle videos, the rectangle videos and CDs. Yeah. <laughs> All in space of five minutes. <laughs> you notice how um, how stupid Gordon is. Yeah, you know um, he's got an IQ of eight thousand. I know Holly is Holly's IQ six thousand. Is it? Um, six thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, Holly. We know that Holly has gone a bit peculiar through three million years alone in deep space. But yeah. what's Gordon's excuse? Because he, he, I mean, he, he can't even figure out how to turn the uh, how camera off. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously it's been done for the comedy and what have you, but you you know, in an actual if you're looking at it as critically as what we tend to do sometimes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, he Holly's got an excuse. What's what's Gordon's excuse? Maybe it's um JMC, they're just lying because <laughs> yeah. just selling everyone he's got an IQ of eight thousand and but you know what it reminds me of it reminds you like me my granddad trying to text. <laughs> That's the way it comes across. Like, what, what do we do here? How do we turn it on? Or... Yeah, maybe they've just missed a decimal point out from their uh, IQ. The first thing I noticed with this scene, this is the one with um, Lister basically sorting through the mail in the um, uh, bunk room. That's right. And if you notice, uh, when it when it first pans onto it, you've got Lister sat there going, me, 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 yeah. me, <laughs> me, you, me, me. Um, but if you look in the foreground, um, just on the right-hand side, there's a hologram mug. Oh, right. Um, whether it's yeah. supposed to be a hologram mug or whether it's just a mug with the hologram H stuck on it or, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's actually supposed to be one of Rimmer's mugs. You know, because in the past, he, he just used to hold his hand up, didn't he, and mime take, having a drink for drinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's definitely a mug there with the hologram H on the front. 
plain oh. white with the silver H on. Yeah, well, I mean, this scene, it's, um, as you said, it's got Lister running through the mail and it's like me, 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 me. And you've got Rimmer saying, well, it's just rubbish, you know. You, you sign up for all the junk mail just so you can get some mail and you've got something to open. And then he makes the joke about, send me my free walrus cleaning kit. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, on the cast commentaries, you realise they when um, they're talking and they're laughing, and Chris Barry's doing the impression of Craig Charles. He said during rehearsals that really pissed Craig off. Really? He was like, yeah, he, he tells like I really, really wound him up during rehearsals <laughs> because he thought he was taking the Mickey out of them. Because of course, there's the rumour going round that that um, Chris Barry and Craig Charles were best the mates during the first couple of seasons. Is the yeah, yeah. One of the letters that Lister opens a letter and he's like. Outland Revenue, which is obviously inland revenue, but changed for legal reasons, that there's a bill for eight thousand four hundred pounds, and he's given and Rim is giving it. Ooh, they're going to be after you. Don't worry. I know the the entire human race is extinct, but they'll still get you. Those people. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying, "Oh, I don't know. You're going to pay that list." And he went, "Oh, it's not for me. It's for you." <laughs> yeah, that, that, the way they delivered that line's perfect. You know, on both parts with Chris Barry and Craig Charles, they deliver that scene. Yeah, to that, to the, especially that line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can you can see the synergy in this. It, it does work really well. And then there's another letter from um, from Rimmer's mum. It's addressed to Rear Admiral Lieutenant General Rimmer. Uh, it's from his mum, and every time he's had one of the exams, he's told his mum he's passed. So in her eyes, he he's now commander of the entire universe. Uh, as <laughs> says. Within the letter, there's um, it's it's really bad to read, but is is suggesting that his dad's died. Which, even though they are three million years in the future and the entire human race is it's gone, it's still a shock to him because it it, it feels so real. Um, so he's kind of gutted about that. Because the letter starts off, doesn't it? I hope this letter gets you to discharge your duties. Well, what do you think would have happened if that letter got there before the accident happened on Red Dwarf? Yeah, that's a valid wonder point. what happened from there. Well, in theory, nothing would have happened because he wouldn't have not fixed the drive plate, thus not killing everybody. <laughs> We well, you know, you know how they've got all the um, uh, there's all the misspellings, isn't there? That Lister reads out. Yeah. Um, you know, your dad, uh, your daddy, your father is dad. Yeah, that's should, right. Your father is dead. There's um, he passed away peacefully in his jeep. Yeah. Uh, sorry, should be asleep. <laughs> uh, well, apparently there were, there were quite a few more of them. They, um, that they tried out and obviously didn't go with in the end. Uh, I mean, this is on the commentary where he says, um, "This is remember the line." Um, your daddy's 111. Sorry, ill. You know, and things like that. So, yeah, they, they, they had a few of these uh, gags written, but only only used a. I think they used the right amount. I don't think it was too bad. But yeah, no, yeah. it was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I picked up in the commentary as well. Uh, I was listening to the commentary, and um, Craig Charles is talking about the hat that he's wearing. Okay. And um, this is going back to what you were saying, Ian, about. Um, Craig Charles wearing the same sort of clothes as uh, Dave Lister, uh, you know, in real life. Yeah. And um, he actually used to take the hat away, uh, used to take the hat away with him and actually wear it. And he was wearing it at an airport once. Okay. And if you look carefully, tucked into the edge of the fur hat, um, it's actually got bullets. And he had them all confiscated at an airport and they refused to give them back. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's no airport these days, is it? They'll let anybody through. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Scene four cuts to the observation deck. I can only assume it's on the top of Red Dwarf. Well, I, I noticed it, it, it's 
there's a little name tag on the front of it. It actually says it's the Observation Dome uh, Coppola, spelled That's with right, a K. Yeah. So um, I'd, I'd, I thought, oh, I wonder if Coppola actually means anything. So I had a, I had a look. Yeah. Uh, the closest definition I can find that's relevant to this was with it spelt with a C, and a cupola basically just means an observation dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not Genius. much given away there. Oh, hardly worth making the point, really. Move on. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, just in that scene as well, don't you? Like, um, he stutters quite a few lines there, Craig, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, um, he said, he's saying in the cast commentary as well that um, they just carried on with the scene because they were getting that many laughs from the crowd so yeah you do realise there's a few good stutters in there and he does um, slayer a few words in there but I think it adds to the character to be I, honest with I you. agree yeah because I mean obviously Rimmer's up there and he's, he's mourning his dad because in his head his dad has just died even though it was many many years ago but yeah I do think it adds to it I mean because you've got Lister talking to him about how um, his dad died when he was six and um, he wish he, so many people bought him presents he wished that he wished that more people would die so he could complete his Lego collection <laughs> <Isn't it? laughs> the thing is if he were found under a pool table he wouldn't have a father would he well no but I mean they're, they're obviously he's going to have some kind of adopted parents hasn't he yeah I suppose so He's not just going to grow up on his own under a pool table. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should go on um, a robust. That's the episode, isn't it? Yeah. Where they see, shows you the, the the pool scene and that's right. Yeah, the fella picks him up. Do you reckon they the people who adopted him? Then I would have thought so. Yeah. Um, well, I, check, I checked uh, Wikipedia out just before we uh, come online to do this. Okay. And apparently, it was a conscious decision by. Um, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor to um, start introducing some backstory to the characters. So they wanted to introduce the backstory, the you know, the history of um, Rimmer's character. Right, okay. Uh, you know, he's got his brothers, you know, about his mother and his psychotic father and, yeah. you know, what have you. And it was all uh, a conscious decision to give a bit more depth to the characters, according to Wikipedia, which is always true, you know. <laughs> Lister then goes on about his grandma. When, he's, when Lister's dad died when he was six... Um, his grandma told him that they'd gone to the same place as goldfish. So <laughs> Lister ended up in counselling because he thought he'd been flushed down the toilet and he'd been sending <laughs> food and magazines down to him to read. And he was found with his head down down the bowl reading him the footy results. Um, you can just picture now Lister his head down the toilet as a kid. <laughs> you can, yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, I mean, if you, if you told something like that a six-year-old, what? Well, what else are you going to believe? Lister tries to console Rimmer slightly, and he's like, listen, I can only guess you're really close. And he's like, nope, I hated him. And then he would complain about his dad that he was one inch too short for uh, being in the space corps, so he was stretching his kids. (laughs) (laughs) He used to measure him him every morning, and if we hadn't grown, back on the rack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the cast commentary, they talk about that, don't they? And um, Chris Barry said that line stuck with him. Like, he just... Sometimes he looks at his kids and wonders if they grown a bit, yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know if that stemmed from that bit, but um, Craig Charles also mentions that he's got, um, I think he says it's a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. And at the, at the time, they recorded the, the, the cast commentary, and he's six foot two. So wow. he's been on the stretcher too. <laughs> well, that's obviously where Rimmer's obsession with the Space Corps comes from, isn't it? Um, his, his dad's obsession with uh, being tall enough to get in there and, you know, always wanted to be on there and stretching his kids for it. And so... Uh, it's, you get the impression it's not something Rimmer ever wanted to do, but it's um, he's become obsessed with it through his father's obsession. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the fact that he goes on to say that he just once needed his dad to be proud of him, just once. And so that's obviously um, ties in with this obsession with the Space Corps, just a way of trying to get his dad to be proud of uh, 
proud of him. Yeah, because you find out that Rimmer actually divorced his parents at the age of 14. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think he got, what did he get? He got an allowance um, every week, and every fourth week he got to see the family dog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The thing is, it's uh, at the time this was recorded. It was um, th- this is again on the commentary. I've not, I've not made it. I've not wrote it down on the notes. But um, it says that at the time this was obviously a big gag, a big joke. Yeah. Uh, but you've got. Uh, it says it's not long after this that Macaulay Culkin actually did divorce his parents, and yeah. he, you know, <laughs> it's in America where um, getting legally getting rid of the parents, you know, for one reason or another. <laughs> And this uh, this scene then ends with something. Well, a, a line that I find brilliant. Uh, the cat comes in. He's he says he's hungry, and his stomach's been pumping. And Lister's like, "No, no, shh, be quiet, be quiet." Um, Rimmer's dad's died. He says, "Well, I prefer chicken." <laughs> <laughs> the cat's obsession with chicken through the early series, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, chicken yeah, I mean, fish, that, but... I, was, I was thinking, is have I they miss something here, or what was the cat getting a stomach pump for? If the stomach was pumped because it's of been, the... it's mentioned in scene one, isn't it? Yeah, um, when he's when he's talking about the uh, meal that Rimmer's cooked. Yeah, he says, "Oh the, yeah, uh, dumplings, yeah." Yeah, he says, you know, he says, "Well, it's not too bad." He says, "The cat's having his stomach pumped," you know. <laughs> so that's the first mention of the cat, and then obviously when he comes in, he's, uh, "I'm hungry. My stomach's been pumped. I'm now hungry." <laughs> so yeah, well, I knew that. I was just doing it, you know, <laughs> leading it up just for the, the listeners so they knew. You got the news presenter. Um, it's it's this is funky groovy channel 27 with the hologram reading the news that's right yeah it was, it was referred to in future echoes i think yeah, yeah. i, know yeah, I hope, you, hope you've done the arm thing there when you said groovy channel 27 <laughs> i i can't help but do the arm thing <laughs> <laughs> one of the news articles as well was um it was um she was suggesting that there's a page found missing from the beginning of the Bible and it's been carbon dated and everything. But what he actually said in it is, to my darling Candy, all characters portrayed within the book are fictional and any resemblance to persons living or dead are purely coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine what would happen there, couldn't you? If something yeah. like that come out. That would be an be absolute uproar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was that's, like, just, just shows the quality of the writing. That's just a very witty line, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, this then moves on. I mean, because what you've got, you've got Rimmer laid on his bunk, um, feeling sorry for himself again because of his dad's passing. And you've got the cat that comes in and tries to cheer him up and he sits down on the bunk next to him. <laughs> he says, well, listen, it's not all bad. He's in the ground now and it's granted it's bad news for him, but it's party time for all the little worms. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the way, it's the way he stands up and he just turns around to Lister afterwards and he says, there's just no consoling him, bud. <laughs> Lister then asks Rimmer if he wants to play the Turtle Immersion video game and he says he didn't want to do it. Um, again, because he, he's sad at his dad's death. Rimmer's then watching the telly and again, the news is, is going on and it's going on about better than life. Yeah, well, he, he jumps up, don't he, to join them. Um, basically, he just sits bolt upright. Uh, his ears prick up, he sits bolt upright when he hears about better than life. And it's actually the line, um, it makes all your dreams come true. That's what catches his attention and causes him to go dashing off the way he does. 
Yeah. Um, I, th- this is the point on the commentary as well, where there's um, <laughs> <laughs> Danny actually farts. <laughs> it's, it, well, he it, it, it tries to make out it's his chair squeaking, but yeah, it doesn't sound that like that to me, and none of the other cast members are convinced. And, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't do it at any other time. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> he actually lift. I mean, I think Craig Charles says he says no. You lifted your leg and everything. No, you just parted. It's like it's the way he does it, though. he he just did like the old pause, and then he must have looked at him during the commentary and just went, "Have you just farted?" <laughs> but, the thing is, you're actually thinking to yourself, "Did I just hear that?" The next scene moves on. They're back in the... Um, I'm unsure, but I think we mentioned it as the comms room last week. I think it might actually be um, the drive room. They've just re- redone it. But, yeah. I mean, I've been referring to it as the comms room after yeah. last week's episode. Yeah, same but way. I do think it's supposed to be the drive room. Okay, it's changed a little bit. The See, old... I, go with, I go with the comms room as well, because whenever I like, talk or um, think about the drive room, I always picture the one from Series 1. That's right, yeah. Yeah, where with the console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's in the comms room, and the cat and Lister put on what can only be described as bike helmets, um, not like big um, motorbike, just uh, normal cycle bike helmets. Put those in with a few little cables on, and Rimmer puts one on as well. I can only imagine it's a holographic one; otherwise, it it just wouldn't go into his head. Well, it, he says, doesn't he? Holly says it, earlier on. He actually um, Lister actually says Holly says he can plug you in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got a, a virtual helmet, would you call it? Yeah, he's got a virtual, virtual helmet. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It then plugs them in, so to speak, and they're then in better than life. And you see him walking through um, a bunch of doors, and they're all happy and walking down this corridor. And they get to the last door. And it opens out and they're just on a beach, which is totally random because you've got this big wooden archway door. Two doors swing open and they walk out onto this beach. Yeah, well, the first thing I noticed is the fact that Rimmer's got no H on his head. So I'm guessing, his fant- well, we all know his fantasy was not, is to be alive. But yes, yes. So I'm guessing in this, he's not a hologram anymore, is he? Well, well the first thing he does, like- the first thing he does is actually scoop up some sand as well, isn't he? So yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's a few. It's it's a while before the cast actually noticed. I think it's, it's I think it's actually in the restaurant scene before the um, the other crew members notice that it's solid. That's right. But straight yeah. away, you you notice that he, he scoops up the sand and they're there on the beach. The age is missing, like Ian said. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> yeah we we notice before the rest of the crew seem to notice. Yeah. As well, did you notice as well how cold? It looked. It did. It looked freezing, yeah. didn't it? Right. Well, this... it's like paradise anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's supposed to be uh, a paradise, a beach. The, yeah. You know this beach, um, and they used the. I don't know if any of you's ever been there, but they used the lovely shooting location of Rill. I think it was Ed By. It said that the. Um, They'd be able to touch it all up afterwards and make it look like glorious sunshine. Uh, don't worry about it. But as they come through the doorways, you can see they've got them potted. Uh, I think they're supposed to be like palm trees, aren't they? In them <laughs> pots, by the door. and they're nearly falling over with the wind. It's absolutely. Um, the uh, it took them two days to film these scenes because yeah. the crew were absolutely freezing, the teeth were chattering, and um, uh, yeah, it, this is supposed to be a paradise beach. <laughs> yeah, we can tell. I mean, Rimmer's ties are constantly across his shoulder, isn't they? Yeah. <laughs> You've got Marilyn Monroe then walking down the beach just to show this is some kind of paradise, and I can only I can only assume this is um, 
the cats because she walks past and uh, Lisa says, I think she fancies you. And the cat turns around and says, what does that prove? She's not blind. (laughs) Well, you know, the Monroe impersonator, it's um, Debbie Ash. And I read online that um, Debbie Ash is actually Leslie Ash's sister. Out of um, Member Heaven Badly. No? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they mention it on the commentary as well because the um, they start talking about men behaving badly as well. Oh, right. uh, but... big lips. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the line where she, you know the boo 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 line. Yeah. Uh, she couldn't do that. Really? She, she's, uh, yeah. She, she she repeatedly got that wrong. They they said that they they it sounds like the uh, rest of the cast actually got a bit uh, fed up with her because they kept having to redo it, redo it and redo it because she got the boop-boop-de-boop line wrong. Well, you've just done it twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was hoping you'd not notice. You can sort that in editing, surely. <laughs> You're not wearing a big white dress, are you? <laughs> <laughs> not today. <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> um, I mean, from wet suits to to white suits, that's sort of funny about you, aren't they? Cat's <laughs> yeah. um, fantasy is obviously Marilyn Monroe, and it then pans round, and you've got Napoleon stood on the beach, just um, with his feet in the waves, and it's obviously Rimmer's fantasy. And he goes down and gets an autograph from him, and it's just like. And he, it's the way you know when he goes to sign it. Yeah. It's the way he keeps looking at the other cast members and he's pointing and he's just mouthing Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, giving it the double fist, you know, shake. And yeah, he's really when, he, when he steps behind, when he points the fingers, I'm like, I've got, look who it is. <laughs> <laughs> like you're absolutely. I mean, I guess yeah. in his eyes, it is like some superstar. It's like us bumping into whoever. Well, he asks him to make the autograph to. Um, uh, to if you sign it to Arnie uh, with love, blah blah blah. I can't remember the exact wording. And then he says, "It's for my sister." Uh, yeah. We just call her Arnie. To <laughs> <laughs> so my good pal Arnie from your chun Napoleon Bonaparte. That's, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what you've got is um, the guide appears. He just blinks out of nowhere, and he explains that better than life is is wherever they want it to be. It's uh, There's a restaurant a couple of miles down the beach, and they've said, well, how are we going to get there? He says, well, that's however you want to get down there, and Lister clicks his fingers, and up pops a Harley, and those two jump on it, and uh, Rimmer's kind of um, clicks his fingers, and the first thing that pops up is a Robin Reliant. Yeah. Do you reckon that was anything to do with like, the fact that um, all the frozen horses were quite popular at the time? Yeah, maybe, because um, that would have been in that era, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it's like a bit of comedy volume, isn't it? Well, he got um, the the Tony Hawks that appears. He's yeah. uh, he was on Carpool the other he week. Was, yeah. I don't know if you've yeah, he was. Yeah, he was on two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, he was on uh, Carpool. If people don't know, is Robert Llewellyn's um, uh, video podcast, which is basically he drives around in an electric car with some sort of a celebrity, uh, whether it's an internet celebrity or a fellow comedian or uh, comedy actor. Tony Hawks was on it the other week. Yeah. Um, now I don't know about you. I don't know about your. In fact, you probably won't be able to remember it, Ian. But uh, I'm sure I, you'll be able I to remember. Yes. Can you remember <laughs> Boris Weiner in the Mages? I certainly can. And Stutter Rap. Stutter Rap. Well, I, I mean, this is back when I was a Beastie Boy, you know, and I got the jacket and the the Volkswagen badge on the chain. Uh, <laughs> you know, quite literally, I did. I used to walk around with it. Um, and yeah, How I you've can changed. remember. It. Oh, I can <laughs> remember it so much. The uh, Morris Minor in the Mages with Stutter Rap. But Tony Hawks, he's in he's in Red Dwarf a lot. He, um, I, th- I don't know if he does all the dispensers, but I know he does some of the dispenser voices in Series One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Me Squared, he does the restaurant ad. Um, Stasis Leak, he does the voice for the suitcase in Stasis Leak. Oh, 
Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he's the comparing backwards. Yeah, but yeah, he, he plays Caligula in uh, in Waxworld as well. So he appears in it quite a bit. I think he's actually, um, well, he's a friend of all the cast and crew and what have you. And so obviously kept being invited back to do bits. But of course, Tony Hawk was the, um, the warm-up, weren't he, for the live audience before the show started? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to he do used the warm-up. Warm yeah. yeah. Uh, you, know, you know when uh, Lister and Cat ride off on the Harley, he yeah. said that uh, Lister clicks his fingers, Harley appears, and off he rides. Yeah. Uh, what actually happened is he clicked his fingers, the jump on the Harley, and Craig Charles stalls it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, More than uh, once. Well, they kept trying it, and um, he, he could not ride off on the Harley, and in the end they had to use a cut shot so that, you know, cut to a camera from behind so you can't see that actually Craig Jones is nowhere near the Harley. Oh, no. uh, and they got somebody else to ride it off up the beach. Brilliant. Well, I mean, with Rimmer, he then tries to follow them. So as we mentioned earlier, he starts off with a Robin, then he thinks, no, 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 think bigger, and up pops an E-type Jag. So he jumps in that, he's like, ah, oh, excellent. Then he clicks his fingers again, and there comes Magruder, <laughs> his one and only uh, love interest. And he says, ah, there's just one more thing to make this complete. Clicks his fingers, and furry dies. <laughs> it's when he says to her, hey, I bet you're wearing a peepole bra under that, aren't you? And then you just see him lift, lift his fist to his hand as he bites his knuckles. <laughs> well, on the commentary again, the, the ask... They ask Chris Barry if that's his jag that appears on the beach, and he says, no, 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 it was somebody else's uh, full of sand by the time we're done. So I think he he did actually have an E-type jag anyway himself. Oh, right. Obviously, okay. we know he's into his classic cars. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think at the time of filming this, uh, probably still got it. I would guess that he's actually got an E-type jag. Yeah. In the next scene, it's in the restaurant, um, which is the restaurant that we referred to in the last scene, which is just down at the end of the beach. In Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long it's, beach. <laughs> well, it's filmed in the... Is it Satchas, Satchas Hotel in Manchester? Yeah. Uh, it's so... Obviously, there's no restaurants in Rill that were suitable enough. They, they decided to go to Manchester because it was better than yeah. Rill. <laughs> I tell you what, Between you, I get some stick for being in from Liverpool, especially from Nick, who's not here tonight, but going into a restaurant like that in Manchester, I'm sure there would have been some funny looks going about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I tell, <laughs> I tell you what, um, do you remember Hitchhiker's Guide? Yes. Don't you think, yeah. does this remind you of the restaurant at the end of the universe? Yes, it does, it does. Very, um, very similar set out, very similar um, clientele, so to speak. Well, I've heard it described as um, like the cantina scene in Star Wars, but it isn't like the cantina scene in Star Wars. Because uh, if, if you, <laughs> I mean, if you look around, obviously you've got these various looking odd people um, dressed in silver sparkly suits, some are painted blue, and it's obviously full of... Uh, alien type people, yeah, which yeah. I'm assuming must be part of Rimmer's fantasy of meeting aliens, maybe. Ah, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. It, it would it would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I can't see any other reason why they'd, they'd actually be there. Um, but it's definitely not Star Wars cantina scene. It's it is more a restaurant at the end of the uni universe, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm going to use a, a comedian, called, comedian called Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen this show, the Richard Pryor show? Have you seen what, sorry? The Richard Pryor show. No, well, I've seen the stand-up. There's a scene in that where he, he does, he takes the mickey out of the, the Star Wars canteen scene, where he does, I've, he's a barman. Oh, they, were on about it. Like they were on about it the other week on the Force cast, actually, and I meant to um, I meant to go and look for it on YouTube, and I've, I forgot all about it, actually. I'm glad you've reminded me. 
Well, you've got um, you've got the cat and Lister sat at the table, and and Lister orders um, caviar vindaloo, and this big pile, this massive plate turns up, and you've got you've got the cat sat next to him, and it gets brought a fish tank with a load of goldfish in the bottom. It's like, are you sure you don't want these cooked? So he says, nope, I like to cook it myself, and he's got a little fishing rod, <laughs> and he's just <laughs> attempting to fish them out, which is brilliant. What I like, what I like with that is, um, you know, when the caviar vindaloo's brought out, yeah, the cat looks totally disgusted, really, you know, oh, you're gross, to um, Lister, and when this fish tank comes out, Lister's exactly the same looked at cat, a disgusted look on his face of, oh God, you're not going to eat. I think he actually puts his fork down, don't he, as well? Yeah, you know, so um, they've grossed each other out with this one. Yeah. Then you've got um, Rimmer turns up. And he's talking about how he bumped into Magruder and how he's now had it twice in one lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously his virtual little world is um, is is got it on with Magruder for a second time. Um, that, that the gesture he does with his hand, is yeah. just, the, the face is just quality. Yeah, I'm, remi- I'm reminded of the line, I'm not one to kiss and tell Lister. All you need to know is I gave her one. <laughs> it's, it's the same sort of attitude, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, then they sat down and all you hear this voice in the background shouting. Um, now, they start off, he's just shouting, Admiral, Admiral. And he's going, oh, God, someone who yawns, somebody knows him, Admiral. Yeah, you know. you're on <laughs> then it yeah it changes to Admiral Rimmer and he hasn't he doesn't pick up on it Craig Charles oh, sorry Craig Charles Dave Lister picks up on it you can see it on his face yeah but um, he doesn't pick up on it and he's still you know mocking whoever it is shouting it until um, until the is it a cadet comes over yeah it's this young little whippersnapper and he's like um, Field Marshal Clinton sends his compliments and wondered if you would care to join him for port and cigars <laughs> and <laughs> Rimmer's like, I love this game. <laughs> yeah, but he say in the commentary as well that, that the lad who does that scene took it like totally serious. You know, really? He comes in and he's got his hands up like that and he's staring right up. So he's got right into the character. Like. Yeah. <laughs> then Rimmer disappears and, and goes off to the table to go and have some um, his port and cigars. Lister gets Dom Perignon uh, 54 in a pint glass to turn up. So he gets the ice bucket dropped down and everything and he fills up his pint glass. It's just like, you slob. <laughs> That, that's how we do it on Liverpool. Well, on, you know, on the commentary, he says it's a fake glass. He says it's um, it's got a false inside, so that when you when you fill it, when you drink with the one he drinks from, yeah, it's actually just filled the uh, outer edge of the glass. Oh, right. But I've I've watched it and I I don't think it's because it he can't down a pint. To be honest with you. Well, I don't know. I mean, he spills a lot of it anyway. Yeah. And when I sat and watched it, and I'd, I actually rewound it about two or three times, it doesn't look like a false glass to me. I think he's got a full pint, and he does actually just pour most of it down him. Yeah, but to be honest, in a lot of the other episodes, he does exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, have, have well, you seen yeah, backwards, yeah. the backwards, where he has the drink at the bar when he showed backwards? Yeah, yeah. With the cat, and the cat downs his drink perfectly, and remember the little cake charles just... Pours it all over his face, really. Yeah, because he does it in that, and there's also um, in Parallel par- Universe. Parallel so. Universe, yeah, when he's having the drinking game, he just throws all that down himself as well. It then flicks to Rimmer, and he's loving the attention, and he's doing a book signing, My Incredible Career. And Admiral AJ Rimmer, isn't it? Yeah. That's right, yeah. And <coughs> he's telling stories, and he's, he's telling them really bad. And he's like, well, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but... But it was the wicked. He's, he's, he's got no punchline, has he? <laughs> no. And so I said, "Well, I can't remember what I said, but it was really funny." And they all just start laughing. Yeah. 
And then what you get, you get Rimmer's dad turning up. He says, son, I've just wanted to say, I've just, I've just wanted to say, you're a total smeghead. And this, <laughs> this is the cat's fantasy. He's like, oh, this is mine. The way the cat comes in there, it's just perfect, isn't it? And then you see the hand come back and take the cigar off him. Yeah. Just well, you know, if, if, if you, um, next time you watch it, have a look at um, when Rimmer gets up to leave the table. Yeah. He pinches cat's cheek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does. reaches across, pinches his cheek, and the cat looks at him in total disgust. And I wonder if it's uh, any coincidence that, that he, the next scene is actually the cat use the cat's um, brought forth the Rimmer's dad to basically um, insult him. Yeah. And I wonder if it's some sort of a retribution for the way he squeezed his cheek. He doesn't like it, does he? When he does it, like. No, well, you, you don't. I mean, it's a total look of disgust on his face when he does it. You know, on Cat's face when Rimmer does it. And I wondered if it was just a retribution thing. That's why he's deliberately gone in here and wrecked Rimmer's fantasy. Yeah, possibly. Or maybe he just wants to have a laugh. <laughs> you notice as well. There's not. They point it out on the commentary that there's not many scenes between Cat and Rimmer. No, there's not. Um, from series one, Rimmer doesn't want to know. Uh, he doesn't want much to do with the cat, yeah. and you don't actually get much scenes. It's always um, Lister that goes and brings the cat in or spends his time with the cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's very got... few scenes between them two. And the point he actually says it on the uh, commentary that you know we we didn't have many scenes where just as two work together. Yeah, because you did get the little scenes where they were in the corridor or things like that, but there, there was no major scenes. No, like, no, yeah, you do get the corridor scenes in series one, don't you? Where like yeah. Rimmer walks past the cat, and you see him go hello, and he goes hello, and like they just stare at each other like they've got nothing to say, like yeah. they just don't know what to say, so they just go the separate ways. Like, yeah. Maybe it's like a cat thing, I don't know. I've got a cat that won't go near anyone else unless it's been fed, so... <laughs> Next scene, um, you've got Lister and the cat playing golf, and um, they're playing very, very badly. I mean, Lister looks like he can play, but the cat's struggling. Well, this is... Um, originally, there wasn't going to be a golf scene in it, you know. Um, okay. this, this is a Wikipedia fact as well, so it's uh, it's definitely true. Um, <laughs> but uh, originally, it was going to be Cat and Lister um, sunbathing on uh, on the uh, the beach, on the um, the paradise with all the sun shining down on him. And if you look, it's really, really overcast. Yeah. Um, and basically, it was that cold. The weather was that bad. It was that overcast. They couldn't get the lines out for shaking. You know, bear in mind, they're supposed to be sunbathing as well. And they ended up rewriting the whole thing and changing it to a golf course, you know, just to um, get them uh, get them back into, you know, get them so they could actually get something, you know, produce something. Yeah. And it's not until the remastered versions where you actually, it looks like it's a sunshiny day. Yeah. Uh, whatever they did to it afterwards, it didn't, it still looked dull and dreary. It did, yeah. Uh, until it got to the remastered, and then they did manage to make it look um, sunshining on the golf course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we get this bit on, where we got um, Lister trying to take his tee shot. If you, watch this, if you do watch the Smeg out, he, do, he does have more than... We'll see several attempts to try and hit the ball. Like, but um, there's a scene with the cat as well when he puts his his puts the ball on the tee when he says, "I'm just planting my egg." That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, you've got this to say, "Do you know how to play?" And he says, "You tell a cat how to play golf." And he then the next thing we get him throwing the throwing the club around everywhere. Yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> and then they're walking walking down to the um to where the balls are, 
and the drinks come out, a couple of banana bombs. And it's weird because Lister puts his drink in his mouth and he fires his rocket from it. <laughs> Surely that's not very health and safety. <laughs> it does look a bit... Um, he's squinting a bit when it's uh, when it's lit. It looks as if he's worried about it. Going off in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if you did that with health and safety nowadays? You know, oh, I know. You, we yeah. want to light a rocket about six inches from the main actor's face. <laughs> you know, you Are we insured? <laughs> well, he did say in the commentary that they had like, a few people on standby. But... <laughs> <laughs> what, to paint his eyebrows back on? <laughs> yeah. You can see, looking at Lister's face, you just think, oh crap, come on, it's going to go, go. Yeah. The anticipation's killing him. Then we get... Um... Is this uh, is this before or after Holly's turned up when we see Miranda the mermaid? Uh, this is before. Yeah. Right, this is yeah nice. um, well, they walk past um, Marilyn Monroe, isn't it? Yes. That's right. They walk past Marilyn Monroe on the bed again, don't they? Uh, yeah. How about a bit of boo 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 doo or something? Oh, okay, pretend they didn't get it wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm trying to make her feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes, how much how about a bit of uh, boo boo be doo don't? <laughs> Some... All right, and then you see um, Miranda the mermaid yeah. uh, out of the uh, lake. She just, goes, she, I think she shouts, coo, and waves at him. And um, he says, that's Miranda, my, uh, my girlfriend. She's a mermaid. And he says, I thought she'd be the other way around. Uh, is this the bit where he pulls the photo out of his pocket? It is, yeah. Because he's he's got the photograph and he says, no, that's the stupid way round. And if you look, he actually kisses the top and licks the bottom off. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't know if that's deliberately done for the laughs or whether it, people didn't realise. or. Uh, but it's one of the things I picked up on it years ago when I saw this episode. And I think, hang on, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, uh, or, or perhaps it is, I don't know. For those of you who haven't seen it, the bottom half is um, a woman, so normal legs. <laughs> and the top half is a fish and then this scene closes with holly coming on a little trolley and a, a knotted hanky on the top well this is the first time we see mobile holly isn't it yeah um, i think we see you know on a, on a set of wheels and a, a tv monitor basically on a trolley uh, self-propelled trolley yeah like, and it's i was just gonna say like the, like the ones we used to have at school yeah. they, they used to got brought out of the front of the class and it was just like everything is this, on this is this trolley. for the one computer that the school used to share that's the one the bbc yeah, <laughs> yeah. Old acorn. The next scene is um, Lister and Cat just hear this noise in the background and it's uh, Rimmer turning up with this clapped out old car and it's got seven kids in it. And it's like, oh dear, what have you done? Well, this is, when they're talking to each other over the wall, Yeah. you look at um, look at Cat and look at Lister when they're talking and they've got dark clouds overhead. It looks dull and dreary. Yeah. When it cuts back to Rimmer, he's in glorious sunshine. He is, yeah. Uh, it was actually it was filmed over a different day. I think it's it's on the commentary again. He says, um, uh, "List uh, Craig Charles, sorry, says that um, they filmed at night. Uh, now, obviously, it doesn't look like night, but it must be getting on in the evening and yeah, it's starting yeah. to get dull and what have you." And so, um, yeah, they were filmed on separate days. And I think they've actually missed the trick here. I think if they'd have done, if they'd have known how it was going to turn out, 
if mm. they'd have shot when they got the glorious sunshine, the cat and lister scenes, yeah, and yeah. then done it the other way around, it would have almost aided this scene with Rimmer actually being under cloud and then being in the bright sunshine. As it as it is, the way they went about it, they went about it. The you know it's turned out the other way around. But it's yeah, you can definitely spot it in the uh, episode now. Yeah, because um, you've got Rimmer saying, um, sorry, Liz saying to Rimmer, he says, so, so you've imagined seven kids. He went, no, no, it's my brain, it's rebelling. He says, help me, please. <laughs> and then just gradually, what you, as it flicks back to the kids, you see all the kids then become, um, get the hits on the forehead as if they're holograms. They say, I've never picked up on that. I'm going to have to go back and see this. Um, it was uh, somebody posted on the Red Dwarf forum a while back. Because I remember looking back at it then and thinking, oh, look at that. This is before my nanny's time on the forum, is it? And it could have been. I know somebody posted it, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I've never never picked up on that before. I, yeah. didn't, I, I didn't pick up on the kids, but as it flicks over, I clicked on the fact that Rim is a hologram again. Yeah. When he's got the brown bottle, he's got the H on his head. I clicked onto that bit. Then you see Rimmer instantly transform into a tramp, and he's just complaining that his, bit, his brain's rebelling and he's never allowed to have any fun, so to speak. And then uh, it just slowly gets worse for Rimmer. The Outland Revenue guy turns up um, demanding a bill for, he says, £18,000, where before I'm sure it was 8400 It's It's compound interest. Oh, right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, when, that's when Lister says, don't worry about it, I'll pay. And he's, he's going through his pockets. He goes, oh, where's my money gone? I just wished it away. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed when the Fritzky first comes into the, into the scene, the fellow from Outland Revenue, you've seen the twitch in his eye? When he says it, and he goes, you owe me 18000 and he got the, the, the twitch in his eye going. <laughs> yeah, and then finally he gets even worse for Rimmer. He, he imagines a massive tarantula crawling up his leg, and it's just like, God, that's awful. <laughs> he imagines it going up his leg and into his boxer shorts. Um, and then it gets even worse. He imagines um, all three of them, um, including Holly, um, all buried in the sand up to the necks, uh, smeared in jam. Even Holly's got jam smeared on his <laughs> forehead, you know, uh, on the... You know, within the actual TV screen. It's not just smeared on the front of the screen, is it? No, no, it's actually on his face. Yeah, we've got faces smeared in jam. We're about to be eating my ants. Why? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's the beginning of me getting into into Rimmer's mind that we see later on. It's very similar to, um, oh, I can't remember the episode title. Yes, that's the one. It's very similar to Terraform, where basically his psyche just rebels against him at all times. Yeah. Uh, it shows his, it's his self-loathing. It's you know, it's you've never seen such a blatant you know shoving it in the viewer's face that this character suffers from self-loathing. Yeah. You know. No. Well, you 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 seen after this one, it's uh, it's when they exit the game. Uh, That's right. Yeah. It's it's made it that unbearable. They decide that you know they they, they come out of the game, and um, we're back in the are we calling it a comms room or the drive room? Uh, we're back in that room anyway. Um, the arcade basic, room. <laughs> the arcade yeah, room. Basically, <laughs> Lister just goes storming off, and he's going, "You've ruined everything," you know. And the cat and Lister go storming off with Rimmer following, and they walk through to the back to the bunk room. Uh, the two things I noticed with this is a how close did that bunk room seat seem to be to the comms room? Yeah, very close. <laughs> the, it's literally down this corridor on your left. That's our room. You know, that's the bunk room. Yeah. Uh, uh, but also, did you notice the arcade machine in the corridor? 
Yeah, like, I was on to that, yeah. But see, I've, I've never noticed it before. I think um, I think it was last week, Darren, you said that um, it was like a... An arcade. It's like the yeah. old arcades you used to hang around. This comms room is like the arcade you used to hang around in. Yeah. And literally, just outside the door, <laughs> there's, an arcade there's an arcade machine. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, ah, it is, I never realised before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, as they um, they're walking down the corridor, and he opens another letter, and it's um, I think it's an it's an apology for Rimmer. I think one of his scores have been miscalculated once, and he's actually been promoted to first technician. Um, and they're like, really? And then then they realise that they're still in the game because the guy from the Outland Revenue pops out of the um, out of the locker. <laughs> it's a pity they didn't go the same way as the uh, books with this one, with the dropping the buttered toast. And seeing how many times it lands butter side up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think once it gets to about three, four, five times now, we're definitely still in better than life. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's the episode review over. And now the scores. Me personally, it's one of my favourite episodes. I'm not quite sure in my head what a 10 would be. But I'm going to give this a nine. <laughs> Sorry, that's not a very good explanation. Um, but yeah, I'll give this a nine. I think it's a very, very good episode. Uh, what about you, Anthony? Yeah, it's it's one of the strongest. Um, I'm not copying you. I'm going for a nine out of ten. All right, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've given a ten out of ten for confidence and paranoia. I still prefer confidence and paranoia. Okay. But it's nice to see uh, the way it's going, you know, with the... Um, uh, shooting outside of the studio, you know they're actually uh, got going out on location now for some shoots, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of the classic stories, one of the classic ideas, better than life. I've gone for a nine out of ten. Brilliant, brilliant. And Ian? Uh, yeah, I'm not copying either, but I think I'm going for a <laughs> nine as well. Okay. I'm not just to keep the um, the percentage easy, but this no, is no, this is... <laughs> last, last week we got four seven out of ten. <laughs> this week we've got three nine out of ten. Okay, we're bad at maths. <laughs> but, um, no, no. Um, I seem to what you said, um, Darren. It's hard to say which you're gonna give a ten to, but. I've got oh, a few episodes in my you. head. Oh, yeah. I've got a few episodes in my head that I will give a 10. And I don't think this is quite up with there with them. Yeah, so sure. I've gone for a 9. But it's, yeah, it's definitely up there. And like maybe me top five, like, but I'm over a 9. Excellent. Well, that's that's three nines out of tens, which is very easy. That's 90%. Next section is what's going down in Groovestown after the usual quick advertisement from Nova Babylonia. There are no witnesses to date, and the only thing we have managed to recover is this scrap of garbled transmission. Both sides in war bear equal responsibility for the darker sides of their nature. There is a mechanism in place that will inform the president of our complicity in this war. God, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill David. Join the continuing adventures of Novo Babylonia at www.novo-b.com. All right, dudes, what's going down in Groovetown then? Right, Groovestown. There's only a little bit going on in Red Dwarf World. As most of you already know, the Back to Earth DVD is out next Monday. Um, we're actually recording this on Monday, so uh, next Monday will be the 15th. Um, personally, I pre-ordered it from Play. Uh, it was 12 99 That was the cheapest I could find. Um, if anybody does find it anywhere cheaper, please let me know and I'll order it from there instead. <laughs> Um, Anthony, you wanted to mention the um, there's some screenshots yeah, of the DVD menu. Yeah, on the on the official Red Dwarf site on uh, reddwarf.co.uk, yeah. um, they've actually got some of the DVD menu screenshots. Oh, so you, 
definitely check out. Um, I think the uh, I, th- I think it's the same people that's done it before, and they've okay. um, they've just included them. Excellent. Uh, they've, they've they've got some of them up on show, uh, so you might want to check them out if you can't wait the uh, the week or the time this comes out. It'll be about three or four days, something like that, won't it? So yeah. Uh, well, I'll yeah. I'll probably wait um uh, wait for the little surprise. Um, if it's anything like the rest of the other DVD menus, they're going to look really good. Yeah. 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 Although I did read a comment online the other day of somebody saying, I can't be bothered to watch Red Dwarf because I can't be bothered to go through all the elaborate uh, <laughs> menus at the start of the DVD. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the same as him. The first time you watch them, you're like, oh, that's good, isn't it? And the next time you're like, oh, I just want to watch the episode. Oh, I just want to get to the part where it starts. Yeah, come that's on, Scott, they... get in that lift. I <laughs> <laughs> just flicking around saying, what have I missed? What have I... I put it on the um, computer the other day and I was scrolling around going, uh, right, there's an interview with um, Rob Grant. Right, what's all about? Oh, that guy likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you something else. I've seen tonight okay. on. Um, I've not wrote it on the notes, but um, uh, I had a a bit of a look on the Ganymede and Titan forum earlier on, right. and somebody's posted on there a couple of tweets. Uh, one at Robert Llewellyn saying, I know you can't tell us, you probably can't tell us, but um, any news on the future of Red Dwarf? Is there going to be Red Dwarf in the future? Yeah. And the reply from Robert Llewellyn, which I'm hoping is not going to get into trouble for, is um, should find out within the next couple of weeks. Right, okay. So everybody that's listening to this, keep your eyes open. If you're not following Robert Llewellyn on Twitter... Uh, please do. It's uh, it's Bobby Lou, uh, double L on the Lou, double L E W, yeah. and um, keep us informed if you see anything. Excellent. Either um, if there's give a great news out to all Red Dwarf fans, or if there's got Robert Llewellyn in a lot, a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because as I say, yeah, we get like maybe like a few hundred listeners per episode, so. Maybe if we all get on top of them, we might crack under pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Parrot's Bar. The place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Right, Parrot's Bar. I said on the Back to Earth episode that I <clears throat> watched um, Blade Runner so everything was nice and fresh. This weekend, I finally sat down and watched it, and I, I do apologise, this is about to get me slated, <laughs> but I found it a bit dull. Dull? <laughs> I'm, I'm... I, I, I'd seen this on Twitter, and I see an Anthony's reply to say, piss off. And I just thought, <laughs> right. but I love the film myself, but I just thought I'm not getting involved. Well, <laughs> I think for me, um, I think if I watched it back when it was originally produced, I, it would have been mind-blowing. But I think because there's been so much out since then, I mean, obviously, the, the Back to Earth special, which I then knew roughly what was going to happen <laughs> in the film. There's, like, iRobot, which I've seen, which is a very similar film. And there's just a lot of things now which... There's no comparison. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, then, is he going to say iRobot better than Blade Runner? No, 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 no. What I'm saying it's, is... I know where you're coming from. Yeah. It is There is long, slow periods within the film. Yeah. But uh, to me, I find that's actually part of the atmospheric. That with um, Vangelis's music, yeah. Um, you know, the actual film score. I think it's such a fantastic. It's, it's definitely one of my favourites. Now you see, uh, I, I watched the final cut, uh, which didn't have the commentary over it. Now I believe uh, one of the other ones has got. Sorry, not commentary, narration all over it. 
Yeah, this is this is it. You see, now there's um, I'm I'm gonna throw a spoiler out here. So if anybody's not seen Blade Runner, even though it's bloody old, right. if anyone's not seen Blade Runner, are planning to see Blade Runner, yeah. um, I'm gonna throw a bit of a spoiler out, and I'll literally will be thirty seconds if that. So um, just turn it down for thirty seconds. But did you pick up, Darren, on the um, fact that Decker? Uh, Harrison Ford's character is actually a skin job himself. No. Right. I never did when I first saw it. Okay. Now, it's it's in the book. Uh, you know all the dreams with the unicorn? Yes. Right. They are what... Um, I think the original... I, I, this is just it. There's, there's the, the original release and there's the director's cut and there's the definitive director's version. And, and there's like the, the final cut. Which is yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of different ones. But basically, uh, in the book... Yeah. Um, it's made clear. It's spelt out in black and white. Okay. And in the film, they wanted to hint at it, which is what all the dream sequences were. Okay. Uh, and what have you. And um, I mean, I know, I know that, but only because I've heard from elsewhere. I never actually picked it up from the film itself. Right. Okay. Uh, but that's what all these hints are, and that's where the fallout was between the director and the production company, and you know everything that went off. It was whether they were going to keep that these hints in you know they didn't want it the director did want it or the, the other way around i can't remember which way it was but basically it's all to do with the um, the fact that uh, the spoiler i've just told you is basically that, that's that's what it is so okay. at the end you've basically got um, him going on the run and that's the reason why he's going on the run the way he is okay not yeah, just to protect Rachel. Is it Rachel? It is Rachel, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, for those of you who were um, coming back after 30 seconds, <laughs> might do some there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I only mentioned like a the... picture on the AMD enhanced version or something, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they've not seen it yet, get a move on. <laughs> yeah, come on. But the thing is, I mean, I was, I was speaking to Nick at the weekend because uh, he, he popped in while he was passing. And we were discussing Blade Runner. He says, "I haven't seen it either." I'm like, oh god! <laughs> so for someone, who's, for someone who's got a website called Ubigi, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I've asked Nick to do for me is for him to watch it because um, it's without internet this week. I've asked him to watch um, the episode. Um, I've asked him to watch Blade Runner and tell me what he thinks because obviously, with us never seen it, um, and. I, I think my, my views just tainted the the fact that I'm watching it in 2009. And if I'd have watched it way back, I, it, it probably would have been very, very good. Yeah. What did you think of the actual Red Dwarf references then? Uh, I, I know we said before that we couldn't see the point of it all being Blade Runner, but I was actually... Um, yeah. I was excited. We constantly sat there saying, oh, that's a Blade Runner reference. Oh, that's a Blade Runner reference. Well, oh, the, <laughs> do you know what? You, I, I was watching Blade Runner and giving it, oh, well, that was in Red Dwarf. That was in Red Dwarf. <laughs> 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 but you got the whole scene, you know, with the bloke saying, "Oh, I'm cold. I'm cold." You know, the yeah, uh, the yeah. nose guy, the and, nose guy or know. the eye guy, yeah. And there was that <laughs> bit. There was them smashing through the glass. There was uh, now I understand where the little um, Rimmer Munchkins came from because they were the little um, his his friends. I'd forgotten about them. Yeah. Ah. Yes. Yes, I'd forgotten about them. Uh, what about the to... um, the photograph? You know, the zooming in on the photograph and turn, flip, zoom. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, yeah, another thing I got given off Pete was um, 
maybe a start of a, pet- of a petition here um, is to get the pictures <laughs> up of Anthony with the wetsuit on. Yeah. But then he also got his own occasion to say that he's up for um, everyone, all the Scottscast crew going down to Dimension Jump in wetsuits, which um, I think I'll be missing that one out too much. Yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> uh, Anthony, have you met um, Pete before by any chance? Did, did you- <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I've come in from work tonight and my mum's um, sent me an email and you can actually find it on Google Images yeah. if you type in if you type in fart in a wetsuit. Okay. <laughs> and you basically get somebody in a it's a gimp outfit, a rubber gimp outfit that's obviously airtight and it's full of air. And uh, yeah, my mum thought it would be funny to send me that. Brilliant. <laughs> I'd like to say thanks to David S who posted on the the Podbean site within within the less than twelve hours of um, the last Scottercast being up. He just says hi guys. I must say that what an improvement you've made over the last couple of weeks. The new music sounds great, as does the levels. You now have a concrete structure, and your podcast makes it a lot more enjoyable. Love the review, Crichton, along with the pictures. And your general chinwag is easy to listen to. Keep up the good work, David. Thank you very much, David. Comments like that are brilliant. It just oh. we've had a, we've had a couple on iTunes as well. Okay. Um, uh, somebody called Strawberry on iTunes okay. has been on, given us five stars. Oh, brilliant. Uh, loves the structure of the podcast. Uh, loves all the different sections. Uh, goes on to say more as well. Uh, basically done it as a review for people reading it you know you get a review of uh, other podcasts blah 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 and uh, she's given it five star oh i say she i'm assuming <laughs> it's a she with the name strawberry but it might not be an apologies if it's not but yeah we got five stars there and math 84 uh, has been on uh, and gave us four stars saying how much we've improved uh, and enjoys listening to it so uh, thank you guys um yeah, great. I mean, it's good to know we're getting some positive feedback. Um, we we did take on board a lot of the negative comments we got initially, and um, by the looks of things, things are going in the right direction. So thanks very much for those. Podcast of the week, Anthony. Right. Um, well, I'm I'm excited about this one because I've actually had an email from the guy that does the podcast. Um, oh. What it is, it's um, Scott Sigler is uh, an author. And I think he started, I think it was about four years ago, uh, round about that sort of area. Um, He'd not got any book deals and he's a sci-fi horror novelist. Mm. And he started writing books for uh, release in podcast form. Um, And he released these novels, which are still available free of charge. And is there's Earthcore, there's the Rookie, and they're quite brutal. It's almost they're almost Stephen King. You know, it's 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 not for the faint-hearted. There's strong language. There's strong scenes of violence that involve self-mutilation with chicken scissors and things like that. <laughs> but if if that's your sort of thing, um, but no, it's um, really really good stories. I really um, I've really got into them. I've not caught up with all of them yet. But I've been sat listening to them, and it's one of the few podcasts out there where I can download all the back episodes. I'll download the full novel, and I can literally sit through a full 12-hour shift and listen to the same guy talk, listen to the same story. I get that engrossed in the story. He reads it really well, and absolutely fantastic. And I I sent an email at the weekend asking if he'd got any uh, promos or anything like that he wants us to run uh, not expect it i mean bear in mind he now gets he's now got book deals he's broken the uh, new york times top 25 bestsellers list um 
so yeah, I've uh, I wasn't expecting any sort of response from him, but literally within a day or two, uh, I, he sent me an email back thanking me. Um, he's he's watched the uh, wetsuit story, and that's made him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I, I don't know why I included it. I think I wanted him to uh, hear what Scuttercast sounded like. And so, um, if you don't fancy listening to a full episode, if you're not into Red Dwarf. Uh, this is a little excerpt from it, and so I included the link to um, Pete's channel, uh, you know, the wetsuit story. Um, and, yeah, he, he gave me a response. He sent us a link for his uh, promo for his latest book, and just real nice guy. Um, yeah, really, I've, I was over the moon straight on Twitter. I've just had an email from Scott Sigler and, um, <laughs> well, Cart Bosman from... Um, from here goes nothing podcast. He sent me he sent me a tweet back saying, "Excuse my ignorance, but who?" <laughs> you know. uh, but yeah, Scott Sigler is uh, excellent. If you base if you search on iTunes and it's Scott Sigler, uh, Scott is spelt double T. Sigler is S I G L E R, and what you'll get come up is some of his audio books, which are I think one's fifteen pound, one's twelve pound. Um, if you click on the podcasts, uh, those same books are still available as a free podcast. So essentially, you're getting 25, 30 quid's worth of book read by the author free of charge. Um, the, now, he's got about seven or eight books out. Um, I listen to his current feed, which is basically the current book that is, um, is releasing in you know, monthly segments. And you might get the last one or two books, as well as little podcasts of updates of his uh, book signing tours and stuff like that. Uh, each book also has its individual feed. So there is a separate feed for Earthcore. There's a separate feed for Nocturnal, a separate feed for Ancestor. Uh, all, the, all these books that have now been done. And um, yeah, it's, uh, so it's available on iTunes. Failing that, go to scottsigler.com, uh, www.scottsigler.com, and you can get them from there as well. Next week, we'll be back, hopefully with a full crew, with the episode Thanks for the Memory. Okay, see you all next week. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye.